Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Today, um, with, I'm still trying to expand your thinking about this wonderful person of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom that you live in, um, trying to open up your hearts, your belief to what is possible, what is in front of you, because, you know, if you're limited to just, this is my experience, if you're limited to it, then it's really hard to move forward. But sometimes when you get exposed to other stuff, you're like, oh gosh, the kingdom is a bit bigger than I was experiencing. So um, we're, we're going to be talking a lot um, this afternoon about living in the heavenly kingdom. Um, and... I'm trying to make it practical as well as theoretical so that you've got something to, to go with, okay? Um, and it's all about this abundant life. You know, Jesus said, come that you may have abundant life. Oh, it's got to look like something, hasn't it? Abundant life. It's got to look, you know, God's saying to you, I'm going to give you abundant life. Oh, well, of course we know it means eternal life, doesn't it? I mean, that's pretty abundant. But could it mean more than that in our everyday life? Um, okay, so we're, that's where we're looking at, living in the heavenly kingdom. Um, and hopefully I can help things become clear. So let's just pray. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come and reveal uh, our wonderful Jesus to us and all that he's prepared for us, all that he's enabled us to do and experience and everything that, you know, Father's works that he has prepared for us from the beginning of time, help us learn to walk in them. Amen. Amen. So, all new. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You just stop there and you go, the old went. I no longer have anything old. All the old stuff went when I came to know Jesus. I became a brand new creation. The new life in Jesus is not an extension of your current life. It is new. So it's not like he's in the um, development phase of making you that bit better. What he decided was, I'll tell you what, I'll just make you new. And if you're new, then you can live in this new way with God. We're not works in progress. We are new. Now, I find so many times Christians will talk about, I'm a work in progress. And I think, okay, it's a nice thing to think about. But you're not. <laughs> you're new. So trying to get hold of that is important. You know, just the realization of it. I am a new creation. Now, Paul tells us to renew our thinking. And so often, our old behavior patterns are associated with what we think. I mean, people will tell you, and if you want to change your habit, it takes you about 40 days of doing something totally different to change a habit. And all that's associated with is what you think, 
how you reward yourself through what you think. So when Jesus came along and he made you a brand new creation, you are new, brand new. If you sat on a seat next to somebody who didn't, hasn't given their life to Jesus, you may look the same, smell the same, appear the same, but you're not. You're actually a new creation. Now it's learning to live in the reality of this new creation. If you hang around Tony Edgerton for a while, he'll talk to you about all sorts of what feels like way out wacky stuff. It just, it spills out of him all the time. Like, time stopped for me the other day. I was just asked Jesus whether he could stop the time and he stopped time for me. It was the same time. An hour later, it was the same time. Okay, Tony. <laughs> and then he'll say things like, I'm, you know, when we worship, we can just raise up off the ground. I said, well, I've never seen you do that, Tony. And then Paula slips this little one in. Do you know, Alan, my granddad, when he was worshipping, used to rise up off the ground. What? <laughs> Paula. <laughs> yes, so all of a sudden I got closer to somebody who's doing it now. Right? So, not that I'm looking for everybody to be rising off the ground. What I'm aware of is that there is more in this kingdom that my experience at this moment in time has experienced. And I'm looking for the more. Why am I looking for the more? Not for an experience, not for a, oh, it's a lovely thing, this. But, the, the, you know, Father wants to do his works through us. Maltari in uh, the, I think it was the Philippines revival, you know, actually walked on water. And you think, is that really true for us? Could we be doing it? So, this is what we're looking at. John 3, 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Well, what were you born of? You were born of the Spirit, so you are spirit. You may have a, a fleshly body at the moment, and when Jesus comes back again, you're going to get a new body, but you are spirit still. And the spirit is not the, um, the what's the bit, the, the subservient bit. It's not, it's the, it's the thing in you. And so let's give honour to the spirit that's in you and realise that the spirit life is where we're to live, okay? The Greek word for new, kainos, in New Corinthians 5.17, is totally new kind. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like it's never been anything like it before, ever. Jesus made you new. You're a new kind. You are a spirit being. When you came to Jesus, you were cleansed from your sin. Fantastic. You undergone spiritual gene replacement because you became a new creation. All right? And you were joined in vital union with him. You became one with him. You are no longer part of Adam's race. You were sons and daughters of Father God. Total new creation. So it can feel like theory, to be honest with you. But if you let that verse really filter in, I'm a new creation. This morning when I woke up, I hadn't put my makeup on and looked in the mirror. I'm a new creation. I am absolutely brand new. Okay. 1 Peter 2, 23 says, Having been born again, not of perishable seed, 
but imperishable through the word of God which lives and abides forever. You are now imperishable with the life of Jesus. <laughs> You're not going to disappear. You are forever. Jesus is your life. You stand on his faith. You're cloaked in his love. Father God sees you as the eternal new creation, faultless, blameless, and radiant in joy. I always used to think Father looked at us. It's a bit like this, you know. He looked at us and we thought, oh gosh, you're awful. You've got all that sin in you, all that mess in you. It's just awful. So he put this lens in front of him, which was Jesus. And yeah. you could look through Jesus and, and he could just about bear to look at me because at least Jesus could take it away. It was a load of nonsense. I was made new. I was made blameless. I was made righteous by all that Jesus did. Father just looks at me and he goes, bang on, son. You're the best ever. I'm proud of you. <laughs> it's like, oh, gosh, you're proud of me. Yes, son, come on. You can do all this stuff. You know, I've created works for you to walk in. Go do them. Yeah, but that I'm not quite sure. That don't matter. What do you do with your kids? You know, when they want to learn to ride a bike. You know, they try hard. You go, well done. When they're trying to do writing, you know, you say, oh, that's marvellous. You never once say, it's not good enough. Try harder. You just encourage them. And Father is just the same. Oh, just the same. If your Father, if you as a Father know how to give good gifts, how much more does your Heavenly Father know how to give you the Holy Spirit? Oh, the Holy Spirit, Him. He knows how to give it to you so that you can live this wonderful life. So just repeating that. Jesus is your life. That's where it starts now. Jesus is your life. You haven't got a life over here. And Jesus over here, Jesus is your life. You stand on his faith. Remember I talked about that the weekend? He gives you the faith. You stand on his faith. You're cloaked in his love. Father God sees you as an eternal creation, faultless, blameless, and radiant in joy. Well, that's what I am. Thank you very much. So, Let's, now we know who we are. I mean, you've done that new creation week and th that explanation of who you are has become very clear. You're listening to Sharon. She's talking about the love relationship that you have with Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, that you know, you're just in wonderful union with him all the time. So now you know that. Now you know there's nothing in you that Father's going, oh gosh, have I got to put up with Rose any longer? He's not doing that at all. He's going, Rose! Angels, have you seen Rose? She's the best ever. Look at her. Right? So now we know who we are. Where do we live? Because, you know, I could say, well, I live in, in England. And, or I live in Germany. And my German friends were asking me, what's the difference between Great Britain, the British Isles, and the United Kingdom? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea what it is. <laughs> I had to look it up on Wikipedia last night thinking, oh, is that what it means? <laughs> okay, so where do I live then as this new creation? Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So I got saved. I became a new creation. And I'm raised up. 
into heavenly places, and that's where I sit. So we need to now understand, well, where's heavenly places then? Is that when I die and go to heaven? Is that what it means? Although it doesn't quite seem to fit with Ephesians because that seems to be talking about the now, that I'm raised up into heavenly places. So let's try and understand that. See, heavenly places doesn't refer to heaven, to where you go when you die, right? It doesn't refer to that. The Greek word refers to an invisible realm that surrounds our present daily situation, the arena or sphere of spiritual action and activity. We got that. So, the Greek word means it's an invisible realm. So, the only way we can see it is through the Holy Spirit revealing it to us, okay, having our eyes opened having our senses opened. It's around our present daily activity. So here I am walking to the supermarket. I am in heavenly places walking to the supermarket. I am buying my cornflakes in the supermarket. I am in heavenly places buying my cornflakes. I am in my car driving to Birmingham. I am in heavenly places driving to Birmingham. I am in my toilet doing my ablutions. I am in heavenly places. I am in heavenly places all the time. I never step out of it. I never leave it. I may not be aware of it, but Jesus raised me up. And so the, the process that we're going through over the next few weeks is trying to become more and more aware of the heavenly places he raises up to. Trying to learn what it feels like in heavenly places, what its sensations are like, what's expected in heavenly places, what can happen in heavenly places. Okay? So, earthly kingdom is the realm of man. Now, it's quite obvious. You know, it's the realm of man. It's quite obvious. But the heavenly kingdom is the realm of God. It's a supernatural realm. And it's harder for us in the West because most of our Greek teachings sort of like taught us that, you know, it, the spiritual realm was a bit over there somewhere and you don't experience it because this is the reality, you know, whether that's solid, so that's the reality. And all our science teaches us, you know, this is, you know, and we do all our wonderful science experiments, etc., etc., etc. They are fantastic God-given things. But it's not the only thing that's around. There is a heavenly realm. So two kingdoms have two different cultures. Okay? Two kingdoms have two different cultures. And we have to learn what the heavenly culture is like. We have to experience it and live it. The supernatural realm is not an exception, but it is life for us. So once you become aware of that heavenly kingdom, then you start to live in it. So if you think about Saturday night. I'm asked, please, could you do an evening of encounter? So I go, of course I can. Why can I, can, why can I be so confident that I can have a, an evening of encounter so that Miriam laughs her head off all night, nonstop? How can I be confident of that? Because I live in a heavenly realm. In my heavenly realm... What does my father want to do? 
fill us with the Spirit all the time, encounter us all the time. Do I look for manifestations? No, I don't. But I just know they will come. I'm not worried about what those manifestations are because I just know when you are touched by an almighty God, there's a response in, a, in this human body. It's unfortunate, but there is a response. Uh, and it can be anything from a little flutter of the eyelid to laughing all night, to being shaken, to being thrown across the room. I mean, it can be quite dramatic and it can be quite soft, right? But, so I was never, oh gosh, don't know how to do this, don't know where God is, oh gosh, how are we going to... No, of course we can have an encounter. Now I've learned aspects about encounter. This is just like walking with him. I know that if I have a group of people and they're, and they're really not sensitive yet to the kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, it can take a while to get you responding. <laughs> and that's why we did fire tunnel. And that's why I kept you going through it, going through it, going through it. Because I know it's a bit like, um, um, what's the word? An accelerant. It just accelerates what God wants to do. You right? And then once that's happened, it's easy then. Because all of a sudden you're, you're becoming aware of the heavenly realm that's around you. And stuff happens then. So we get Mark Cleaver just wandering around prophesying over people and having some stunning effects as he's praying for the um, gentleman from, uh, that came with Linda. So there's two cultures going on and you have to learn and be aware of the culture of this heavenly realm. You certainly know the culture of earthly realm. You, I don't need to teach you anything on that one. You absolutely know it. And most of it lives in the realm of unbelief, you know, or scepticism or, you know, <laughs> you know, even with normal life, it's surprising how skeptical we are as people. Okay. Heaven, there's no skepticism in heaven. There's no unbelief in it. It just is a wonderful, wonderful place. Okay. So the supernatural realm is not an exception, but it's life. It's not to be a random, isolated experience, but a lifestyle. The heavenly realm's culture is so different. It has honour, you know, honouring each other, honouring the gifting that's in each other. You know, just calling that gift, oh yes, come on, you full of... Why did I ask Mark Cleaver to come? Because I honour the gifting that's in him. Yeah, there's no question about, well, I'm not sure you haven't been in our church long enough yet, Mark. Rubbish, loads of gifting. Come on, get in there. <laughs> right? Um, you know, self-giving love. You know, you just give love away. That's part of the culture of heaven. Forgiveness. Oh, gosh, it flows, doesn't it? Forgiveness is, the, is that key. Um, giving to gain. You know, you just give your life uh, or... You know, you plant your seed and it just comes back. Your testimony about provision uh, uh, just recently, you know, money coming. I saw it on the video. Yeah, Facebook about provision coming. That's what the kingdom's like. Um, I was with Timo. I mean, all this about provision. God is in this heavenly realm. It, it works so different. Uh, I was with Timo in Germany. A couple came up to him just crying excited, excitedly crying, and said, Timo, 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 we've got to tell you, we've got to tell you. You planted a seed in our lives a year ago. 
and it was a seed of money, and it was quite a, quite a big chunk, to be honest, of money that Timo gave them. He had heard what their dream was, and he just said, oh, I want to invest in it. And he gave them this money. Well, they came back, this like sobbing, excitingly sobbing, you know, shaking him and saying, Timo, 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 you got it. And everything that they had dreamt, had wanted, just opened up for them, and it was established what they were doing. They then gave him a tenfold response to his giving. They just handed over. And this is this provision thing going on all the time. So I'm there in Germany, and, you know, I have something like 150 euros, I think it was, in my pocket. And a girl's telling me about a dream she has. Ah, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Here, have this money. She's going, no, no, I can't take it. Of course you can. Yeah, have it. <laughs> so I got no money now, but I felt this, oh, yes, just do it. <laughs> At the end of my two days in Germany, I had four times the amount of money back in my pocket. I was like, yes, just, and you think, I, it's different, it works different to earth. And it still scares me. It does, I have to be honest with you, it scares me. Because it's, I'm, I'm not there yet with it, and I like to hang on the coattails of people like Timu, because I feel that they are. And you feel like, I get to learn from you, right? So, so the heavenly kingdom, you know, full of this provision of God. Just look at the place we're in. If that's not provision, I don't know what is, you know, when God gives us a place like this to enjoy. Um, you know, it's also laying down your life. You know, it's raw. It's not this, um, I, I was just talking to Jonas, um, you know, what's his name? John the Baptist said a prayer, I must decrease that Jesus must increase. And it's used so much in the church as the, as the most wonderful prayer for a Christian to pray. I must decrease so that Jesus would increase. But it's not a legitimate prayer. Jesus, that, John the Baptist was finishing off the old covenant. Jesus came with the new covenant. The most legitimate prayer is, all of me covered by all of you, God. And that's where I live. So it's not thinking about, you know, just thinking about me less. So instead of I'm, I, I, me, I, 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 I all the time, it's I just think about me less and I just go forward and that's humility. <gasps> so it changes life because instead of it being this, I must decrease, I must, I must get lower, I must become nothing. Oh yeah, all of a sudden I find out well, it was crucified anyway with Jesus on the cross and I'm a brand new creation. Now let's be happy and enjoy what God wants to put in my life. Oh, let's go. Let's enjoy the heavenly kingdom because it's a wonderful one. Our mindsets can hold us in the earthly culture and restrict us from moving freely in the heavenly kingdom. If you, if you are saying it can't be, it's impossible, then that's actually your mindset holding you there. All things are possible, it says in Scripture. All things. As I said over the weekend, you know, Lewis Cowlin, Lewis Cowlin, as to the looking glass, wrote, if I want to believe in the impossible, I've got to believe it's possible. What? If I want to do the impossible, I've got to believe it's possible. And all of a sudden that shifts your brain, doesn't it? Because up to now there's loads of things which are impossible. 
It's impossible for me to pray for somebody who's a paraplegic and see them get out of their wheelchair. It's impossible for a tetraplegic, as somebody paralyzed from the neck down, to get up and walk until somebody like Heidi Baker prays for them and they get up and walk totally healed. You know? <laughs> so it's possible. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? <laughs> that, that shift in our thinking to see the kingdom of God, the heavenly places that I'm living in as the place where it's all possible. When you walk in the room, the possibilities change in that room. That's why I always was confident at work. Big meeting, many contractors, international contractors, loads from Germany. They were tough people. Anyway, they were all in that room. The whole thing changes when I walk in. Why? Because I live in a heavenly kingdom. They may not yet. I live in it. changes. The wisdom of God can come. The insights of God can come. Words and knowledge can come. You know, it's just things change. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom's like. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And it's just made up of being in the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing about striving or fighting or struggling or making it difficult or all that. It's just a bit of fun, really, with him. I'm a child with a loving father, and we love having fun together. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks, so he is. <laughs> I mean, God can't make it any clearer, can he? As you think, so you are. So if you're thinking, limiting yourself to the earthly realm, so that's where you will be. But if your thinking is, I live in a heavenly realm, and all the possibilities of God are there for me, whew, things change. So we need to think as Jesus does. That was Proverbs 23, verse 7. 23, verse 7. Yeah, 23. As a man thinks, so he is. So, um, last, in the last school, we managed to go to a conference that Isabel and Ivan Allen were doing up in Rochdale. They are um, prophets from Toronto. Stunning, stunning people. Um, you know, really living in this heavenly realm, you know, really knowing what it's like to live in the heavenly realm. Anyway, Isabel had some stories that really rocked my concept of the heavenly realm and what was available, what was possible. And I'll share a few of them. These are Isabel's stories, they're not mine, but they are just help, I think, challenge where we're thinking. So her first story was about a phone. So she's somewhere in America, done a conference, and it's a three-hour drive to the airport from wherever she was. It was a three-hour drive. Um, so she's in her hotel room, and her phone is on top of the television. Her pink phone's on top of the television. And she's packing. So she's packing, 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 packing. And then she feels a little prompt from the Holy Spirit, pick your phone up, Isabel. And she goes, yes, yes, I will. Thank you very much. Carries on packing. Do, 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 do. Second time. Pick your phone up, Isabel. Yes, 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 I will. Carries on packing. Third time, pick your phone up, Isabel, feeling that real prompt. And she got annoyed. Yes, I will. I will pick my phone up. And carried on packing. Three hours drive. And you know, phones have everything on, don't they? Boarding passes, all your flight information, everything can be on your phone. And you can... You can just walk through, can't you? And goes beep, and off you go, especially on internal flights. So, three-hour drive, 
in the airport. She's there with her handbag in the queue now to the checkout assistant that's there. Right, better get my phone because it's got my boarding pass, all the details in, etc. Searching in her handbag. No phone. What do I do? She's like, her mind is now racing. It's, I can't drive back, get my phone, come back again six hours. I just missed my phone, <laughs> missed my plane. Well, the only solution, earthly solution, is to get a hotel room and buy a new ticket for the following day, be late to the next conference she was going to, because actually she spends most of her life going around conferences, to be honest with you. Um, and then she felt this awful, cringy feeling, which is, I've got to tell Ivan, her husband, that she's now just had to buy a hotel room and buy a new ticket and she's wasted it. And then she had this other cringy feeling, Holy Spirit, you actually told me to pick my phone up. So while the, 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 the queue is getting closer and closer to the checkout desk and she's feeling all of these awful feelings of, oh gosh, I've got to tell Ivan I've wasted money. Oh gosh, Holy Spirit, you prompted me and I just ignored you. In fact, I got angry with you for interrupting me. The Holy Spirit said to her, why do you want to live like that, Isabel? And she was like, taking a back. And he said to her, you don't need to live like that. And she said, you're right. Sorry, Holy Spirit. She then, not looking, just trusting, stepped to the checkout assistant. The checkout assistant said, please, can I have your boarding pass or whatever information? And she said, yes, you can. She put her hand in her handbag, pulled out her pink phone and delivered it. Yeah, <laughs> now, it starts to rock your mind here because is this really possible? Can it be that that phone could move over three hours to get in her handbag? Does God not call her to account because she was nasty to the Holy Spirit? She said, actually, her prayer was, Father, you know that I messed up here because I was, I thought I could do everything and you were helping me. So please could you send an angel to my hotel room? It's the one, you come through the door, it's the second on the left and it's the pink phone because I don't want you to bring any other phone because I only want the pink phone because it's got all my details on. And it's a pink phone that came into a handbag. So we're now beginning to see that Father isn't this Joe, well, you messed up, therefore you can't have any. You better go and waste your money in that hotel room. You've got a father that's saying to you, you live in a different kingdom and you can start to live differently than you did before. Now, if that story... Um, I wonder if I've got another story. Have we got prophecies, prophecies? Okay. Um, the, there was another story which I'll, I'll use now because I think it fits. This is with Ivan and Isabel. Uh, and it's Ivan's, um, he has very bad asthma and he has to use an inhaler very regularly to control his asthma. Um, and they had flown to a conference in Canada. They had gone into the hotel room. They had opened up their bag and there was no... Um, inhaler. It's uh, a Sunday. They, they didn't know the town, so the chemists are closed, don't know where to go to go and get 
inhalers. So they sat down together and just said, Father, you know everything. Please, could I have my inhaler? And there in front of them, the inhaler materialized. And it was this. Now, I'm sharing these with you to try and blow your mind a bit because you've never experienced any of this. But it's there for you. And we're going to start exploring what's there for you and start to choose. It is a choice to start to choose to live like this, you know. Everything God has for you, promises, prophecies, your destiny, hinges on the culture of the kingdom. It's nothing to do with the earthly realm. It's the here all hinges on the, this heavenly realm that you live in. The kingdom culture is growing in our church. We're, it's, we're experiencing it more and more. We're still not 100%. Most of the time, I'll just be honest with you, most of the time, I'm still thinking naturally and I have to make myself go, I'm going to think differently here, right? And so it's still a matter of choice for me. But I believe that it can get to a point where it's not a matter of choice. It's just a, a way of living. And we start to see things differently. Grace has changed the way we think. You know, I've become righteous. Um, you know, we have, we have birthdays to honor people. Uh, we, you know, love people. We have relationships with one another. As I was talking about on, on Sunday afternoon, you know, all of those values that are growing amongst us, and all of that culture that we have is enabling God encounters to take place. And when I'm talking about God encounters, I mean what happens in this heavenly realm. Right? And we begin to see things that we couldn't see before. So let's move on a bit. So signs and wonders. Um, God gives signs and they often make us wonder what they're all about. Right? Other, you might have heard in other churches, you know, they've had feathers falling in, in Reading. I was there um, and, you know, people were finding white feathers all over the place. Um, Bill Johnson will say there was a period of time when he would, wherever he went, white feathers would fall. People were saying, well, what does that sign mean? And he says, I haven't a clue. I never asked for it. God's just doing it and I don't know why. But it's nice, I like it, <laughs> right? Um, gold, we, we looked at that last week, didn't we? Gold dust appearing on people. You know, it's quite, in a sense, it's quite shocking when you're sat next to someone and all of a sudden they become all sparkly and you think, gosh, that's amazing. Where did all that come from? What does it mean? I haven't a clue what it means. But the presence of God, the glory of God, something's coming. Um, Gems appearing, we saw that on the video last week, didn't we? I told you that our youth group had had uh, gems appearing with them. But really, for us in our church, it's been other things. It's been bike locks, suitcases, flights, coins, empty paint tins. And I'll start to share those with you now. They're all signs. Pardon? Carpets. Carpets, yes. They're all signs of this kingdom that we live in. So, Ken's bike chain. Um, Ken Wilkes, who, who you've met, uh, cycled, he cycles to um, the Life Centre most days. So he came to the Life Centre and he had a bike chain. But unlike the rest of us, Ken's bike chain was, say this is the crossbar of the bike, 
the bike chain was around the crossbar and it had a padlock on and Ken had lost the key many years ago. So the bike chain remained locked to the bike. You couldn't get it off because he didn't have the key. Um, so what he used to do, he used to arrive somewhere, then drape the chain over the bike stand to make it look like it was locked, right? I, I mean, I'm sure all thieves went, oh yes, Ken, that's locked. But anyway, <laughs> that's what Ken used to do because he, he couldn't be bothered cutting the ch chain off, you know, cutting the lock off and getting a new lock. He just used to drape it over. So he was in here one day with the students, went downstairs and he like couldn't believe what he was seeing because the chain was no longer on his bike. It was on the post, locked on the post. And it was off his bike, he could move his bike away. The chain was on the post, not on the bike. And he got Timo and Ben Dean to come downstairs and look at this because he was like a bit shaken really because this is impossible. It's impossible to happen. And the, just before he'd gone down to get his bike, he had been joking with Timo. Timo was wearing uh, trousers that had numbers stenciled on them. And Ken said, what on earth are you wearing prison uniform for? Don't you realise that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free? And of course, it was just a joke, but that's what he had said. He came down and now his bike was free. Now, that sign for us as a church was, we are free. We are free. Oh, oh gosh. June suitcase. June, um, with Deborah Rise, flies around the world doing conferences, speaking about getting women to pray, etc. So she's flying with Maggie to Africa. Um, so she gets the flight from, I think it was from Heathrow to, to somewhere in Africa. Um, on the plane, so she's actually, we're flying now to Africa. So it's up in the plane, 33,000 feet up in the air. The steward comes to her and said, uh, Mrs. Richards, uh, I have something to tell you. Unfortunately, the police would not allow your case to come on the plane. And when you get to Africa, you will not have your suitcase because the police have confiscated it in London. Oh, she thought, oh gosh, well, what am I going to do? You know, I'm in Africa, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do all my stuff. Anyway, they arrived in Africa. But what they did on the plane was, we'd just been learning about God returns things to us. Some guy had given us a testimony about a, about a, a knife that had disappeared and came back. And so both of them on the plane, they looked at each other and said, Jesus, we want our suitcase back. So they arrive in Africa, you know, the baggage hall, everybody's collecting their cases, June Richard's case is not there. And they've been told they'd have to go to a certain office and explain everything um, in this office. And they were stood in the hall. So the hall is empty now. There's nothing on the floor. There's nothing anywhere. There's no people in because everybody's gone. And they're looking at each other and they say, thank you, Jesus. June turns around. There, just in front of her, is her suitcase that was never put on the plane by the police. They kept it in the three throw. It's now at her feet. She picks it up, 
And off she walks with her suitcase. <laughs> the police will be amazed like the suitcase gone. Gone. I know. Where is it? <laughs> so there she was with her suitcase. It, Jesus had brought it back. You're living in a different kingdom. Jesus smuggling, yes. <laughs> so then so then they had to catch a flight to um, like an internal flight in Africa. Um, and by the time the suitcases had arrived, they're looking up at the board and they see that all flights out of this airport are cancelled. Everything is cancelled. So June says, well, I'll just sit here in my suitcase, Maggie, and the people who had come with her, so it's Maggie and some other people who were meeting her at the airport that were going to, I think there's a party, about six of them, that were going to fly on to this other, uh, other place in Africa, um, went off to try and organise hotels and things like that. Okay, off they went. So June was sitting in her suitcase, and she sat there looking at flight attendants, you know, they're not, well, not, they're not called flight attendants, are they? They're the ones behind the ticket desks. There's about four of them. And she's saying, Father... Thank you that you brought me and my suitcase here. Now, which one of these is the one that's going to help us in this kingdom that I'm in? And just as she's done that prayer, one of them walks towards her and says, what are you doing here? She says, well, I'm Mrs. Richards, and I've come to get the flight to wherever it was, you know. And he says, all flights are cancelled. She says, I know that but I thought you were going to help me because she just prayed, which one of these is the one that's going to help me? But I thought you would help me. And he says, I will help you. Bring your party now. By then, the party had come back. They walked out onto the tarmac. So there's six of them walking along the tarmac to this little plane. This plane will take you to where you want to go. And they get on the plane and they fly. Okay. Private little plane. Private little plane. Oh, yeah. It was tiny. There's only enough seats for about six or seven of the people in the plane. <laughs> right? Oh, come on. You are living in a different kingdom. Learning to live and think in the way of this kingdom is what my destiny is all about. Learning to respond in that kingdom. So you might say, well, that's June Richards because June, I mean, she goes all over the world preaching, you know, apostolic. No wonder things like that happens with June Richards. But the truth is it's open for us all. Open for us all. Um, Tony. Tony's um, painting somebody's house. So he's a, a painter and decorator. Um, so he knows exactly how much paint you need to paint doors and that. And he's painting a house and there's several doors and he's got his paint tin here, white gloss, painting away. And you can see that he's getting right down to the bottom. But if you imagine, he's only got like the two doors to finish there and he's scraping the last bit out of the painting. I forgot to bring it with me because I was going to bring you the, the painting because there it is. He scraped it out. So there's no more paint left in that painting and he manages to finish the door. And of course, you're a new professional painter and decorator you don't skimp you don't leave bits of the door not painted you do a, do the proper job you know that's what his profession is and that's what he's doing the proper job and there's no paint left in here he then to his shock realizes that the other side of the door hasn't been painted so what's the natural option well i've got to go to b and q and buy some more paint 
It's just simple, isn't it, really? I mean, for him as a painter and decorator, you might think, that's a bit of a waste of money because I'm only going to use a tiny bit out of this tin. Holy Spirit said to him, why do you want to live like that, Tony? Because that's natural. Okay. But, <laughs> you get this but. So he said, I daren't look in this tin. I daren't, he said, I just daren't look in the tin. He said, he turned the doors to the other side, not looking in the tin, so he's got the tin down here somewhere. Paintbrush now, that was empty of paint. Tin's empty of paint. Paints, two doors. Always enough. And it's getting closer to home, you see. That's Tony, just in our church, doing something that's like, what? Only people from Bethel do things like that. You know, it's only people who are, who are you know, famous. No, we all live in this heavenly kingdom. When we choose to live. I mean, Tony said, I just couldn't look in. I couldn't. If I looked, I'm sure I would have... You know, like Peter, when he looked at the waves, he would have sank. <laughs> I think I would have realised that the tomb was empty. You know, that's what he said. Okay. We, we, can you share a short yeah. story? Go on. Back in London, like uh, one week ago, I think, one month ago, um, uh, we went uh, evangelising on the streets, and then we met this holiness and drugs uh, and alcohol addict uh, man. And so we pray over him, and he was deeply touched by the Holy Spirit. And so... We saw in his back, like because of the form of his back, there were like uh, beer in it, in alcohol. And so um, we felt like you need to do distance from that because it's hindering your life with God. And so he had repented and so we thought, maybe it's good for you to throw those things away, to just break with the addiction. And so he was like, yes, he was really open for it, we saw it. But the Lord saw it even more because we said, well, let's throw it away then. He opened it back. They were already gone, two of them. <laughs> the same minute, I looked on my phone and I received an email called Two Beer. <laughs> that title, like, what? So it, it, one, it, two drunken angels took them with them and <laughs> opened it up. So it's two I don't know, but they just disappeared. They just disappeared. That's <laughs> amazing. Fantastic. So, um, ever since I Destiny students heard about coins on walls, they've been doing it <laughs> they went our students went to a conference where John Arnott was speaking and he was telling them about a um, church in somewhere in America that had done their offering by bring your offering and put it on the wall and when they did that it all stuck to the wall so our students who are going oh come on then we can do this so Arna you, you met him at the weekend Arna he gets a Coke can, end on, stick, and it stuck to the wall, just stayed there. So everybody's like sticking money on the wall. Oh. Now, don't ask me what, what God's doing with this. It's a bit like gold teeth. I'm not too sure why he does it. <laughs> Apart from, it certainly wrecks your thinking about gravity when you do it. Oh, wrong one. Go back. You should be playing a video. Oh, yes, it is.
<laughs> going on the ceiling. Then Ben, and look, look what Ben did. <laughs> this is my fingers here. I was, you know, I was trying it with the students. Oh, they're trying to stick Damaris to the wall <laughs> after a while. Five pounds on the wall. Let's try it out, guys. The in the student house, coins stayed on the wall for all the school that Jones was in. <laughs> I think they stayed for like one year? Uh, five months. Five months. I had it to like for two days. I think it's come to an end there. <laughs> so, so you think, God, what are you doing? Well, I think it's just a learning of, um, you know, this kingdom is so different to what we normally think, the earthly kingdom. And, you know, I, I remember doing that with the school and thinking, this is just, I can't get my head around it, you know. Seeing things that should fall on the floor just stay on the wall. I, wonderful. Um, so, Mark in 9, verse 23 says, All things are possible to him who believes. Uh, I mean, that is incredible, isn't it? Um, but I'm, I am in this process of still trying to renew my mind, to be honest with this, because it challenges me, I have to say. My engineering background, you know, I need piles that go down to a firm foundation for the building to stand up. I, I know how to design them. Do you get what I mean? That's where I am with my thinking. But yet I know that I want to expand my thinking and make it new um, and I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm trying to learn to renew my mind so money when we first moved into our house on Crossbill um, Brow uh, we were having builders do work on the house and so I'd got the money out of the bank so the, these numbers aren't correct but they're, they're the order of okay so I'd taken a thousand pound out of the bank. So the bank clerk had counted a thousand pound. So she had done it right. I had counted the thousand pound. And I know that I had a thousand pound in my envelope to pay my builder. So the thousand pound was in our um, drawers at home, in my, in my bedroom. I don't know what you're like with big sums of money. But I get a bit nervous. So, you know, a few days before I'm due to pay the builder, I want to count my money again <laughs> to make sure I've got my thousand pound because, you know, when he's finished the job, he's going to ask for the money. So I count my money and, the, as I'm saying, these numbers aren't correct, but in the order of, I had 800 pound. Oh, gosh. Where's the money gone? I must have counted it wrong. Must have counted it wrong. So counted, 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 counted. 800 pounds. Must have got it wrong because she counted it in the bank. It was 1,000. 800 pounds. Kath, Kath, come here. Count this. 800 pounds. Count it again, Kath. <laughs> 800 pounds. Oh, gosh. So what did we do? 
Dad, I haven't a clue where the money's gone. Please, could you bring our money back? Put it in the envelope, put it back in the drawer. The three days go by, I'm now to pay the builder. I haven't looked at this money since. I've just asked Dad, please could I have our money back? Envelope out of drawer. Man's wanting money downstairs. Thousand. 1,100, 1,200, 1,300. Count this again. 1,000. 1,100, 1,200, 1,300. Gath, come count this money. <laughs> 1,000. 1,200. 1,300. We've paid the builder and had 300 pounds. Oh, that's starting to really shift my brain now in provision. Because my father did something that's like over and above what I was asking him to do. I just wanted the £200 back. So then, um, when we moved house, we had a, a small marble bowl. Now, not, not of great value. It was a very pretty, nice marble bowl that we had bought. Uh, we moved into the house, and it wasn't there. So, you know, you blame the, the moving people we must have lost it. It's going to be in a box somewhere that's not been emptied. And we searched and searched and searched and searched for a marble bowl. Could not find it anywhere. Okay, okay. Dad, could we have our marble bowl back, please? We like it. Period of time goes by. Then Kath's saying, I need to find my passport, Alan. Okay, Kath. So... She's got a drawer. You know, beds sometimes have drawers in them. She's got a drawer with some things in. Passport, certain for passport, not there. So I take the drawer out. Now there inside my bed, where you don't ever put anything, was the marble bowl just waiting for me. And we got that marble bowl back. So that was another step along the line of trying to renew my mind. Um, then, oh gosh, Lizzie's Costa card. Uh, Lizzie works at, my daughter lives, works at Costa. Um, so when she's not at university, she's working at Costa in Altrincham. And, you know, they always have these, like, cards, don't they, so that they can operate the till and all the other things they need to do as an employee. Uh, so she would have to walk to Altrincham at probably about quarter to eight, she's walking to Altrincham. And I get a phone call, Dad! I haven't got my card. Where's my card? It must be in my bedroom, Dad. I think it must be in my bedroom. Although, to be honest, last night I put it in my handbag. I definitely put it. I know I put it in my handbag to make sure that I had it for work in the morning. But is it in my room? Go search, Dad. So off Dad goes to search in the room. And daughter's bedrooms aren't the tidiest, are they? (laughs) Um, So... On the floor, here by her bed, is a suitcase. She's just been away for a few days as a suitcase. So I'm searching around the suitcase. Nothing. Lift the suitcase up. Nothing. Can't find it. So go back out. Um, thought, oh, I'll go back in again and look. So I'm looking around. Nothing there. Go to the other side of the bed. There's another small suitcase. You know, like hand luggage. Thought, oh, it's probably here. Search there, no. Underneath the bed, search, no. Lift the covers off the bed, no. Underneath the pillows, no. It's not here. Now I'm beginning to get a bit panicky 
because I'm due to speak at iDestiny, you know, at uh, half past nine. It's now like nearly nine o'clock. If I found the card, I've got to drive to Altingham, drop it off for her, drive back to iDestiny, and I'm going to be late for iDestiny. So I'm feeling like, Lizzie, why don't you do better and keep your cards in your bag and will she be allowed to work she probably won't be able to allow it on the till this today and all of that thing was going through my thought all right i'm going back in that room and i will find it so I, now there's this what do we call it whirlish derbyshire going around the room lifting suitcases up opening suitcases up taking everything out putting everything back in again uh, nothing there walking around the other no i can't find it can't find it so i'm getting now into a panic and the holy spirit says wait i just heard it I'll wait then. wonder how long I'm going to wait. So I just sat. I thought, Dad, you're teaching me something. There's something here about your kingdom that I've got to learn. So I'm waiting. I don't care if I'm late for my destiny and Lizzie can't use the till at Costa. I'm waiting. So I just sat waiting. Don't know how long it was. And then he said, no. And I looked down and at my foot where it wasn't was Lizzie's Costa card. <laughs> I picked it up, drove to Altrincham, gave it to her. She said, oh, thank you, Daddy. <laughs> drove, back to, <laughs> drove back to our destiny on time. Wow. Oh, gosh, God. I want to learn <laughs> to live continually in the kingdom. Contingent thinking, abundant life that he promised to give me. This is where it feels good. It feels like, oh, this is the place, what it should be like. So Isabel had another story that really shook my brain here, my way of thinking. So her story was, her and Ivan are driving across Canada. It's in winter, snow everywhere, and it's late at night. But they're on roads that have been cleared, so it's not that there's a... Uh, an issue of safety or anything like that. Driving along the road um, and they run out of fuel and they pull into a service station, you know, early, early morning, nobody there and they're going to get some or buy some petrol. Um, and Ivan says to Isabel, Let's just stay in the car. Now, I think they must have had an, an older type of car that, you know, if you close the door, it then is locked and you can't get in. You haven't got one of those, you know, have to have the key to open the door. I think that's the sort of car they had. Uh, but Isabel said, I only half heard Ivan and half listened to what he was telling me to do. And I got out of the car and closed the door. And the result was that the key of the car was in the ignition and the two doors had been closed and it was locked. And she said, the trouble is that with your modern day life, everything's on your phones, isn't it? So, you know, well, call the equivalent of the AA. Yes, I would like to, but the phone number's on my phone in the car. Um, call somebody who's a friend nearby who would come and tow you somewhere. Yes, I'd love to, but it's on my phone in the car. So they, they decided to go into the... Um, uh, into the little cafe area that there was, and there was just the girl behind the counter. That's all there was. Now, at this point, my brain is thinking, this is simple. I know how to solve this one. I get a brick, and I smash the window. Yeah. Now, 
Simple. I then reach in, I can have my key, and I'm in. I'll have to get a bit of um, polythene to stick over the window, but I could do that. Um, and drive to a garage and have to pay to have the thing fixed. But it's not, I'm not stuck in the middle of nowhere. I can make it happen. No problem. So they walk in to this cafe and say to the girl, because it's now modern days, isn't it? There's no payphone on the wall because everybody's got mobile phones. So they say to her, sorry, mobile phone locked in car. We can't do it. We, we can't get the key. It's in the ignition. Please, could we borrow your phone to make a phone call? The lady says, of course you can. She hands her mobile phone over. As she's doing that, it drops out of her hand, falls on the floor and smashes into three pieces. So now there's the three of them looking at each other. Phone smashed on the floor. Ivan and Isabel's key is in ignition. They can't do anything. And Isabel said, I am now trying to not think. Because if I'm thinking, these are the thoughts I would have. I'm a daft wife. Why didn't I do what Ivan told me? If only I did what Ivan told me, we wouldn't be in this situation now. Hopefully, Ivan won't be mad with me. And that she said, that's what her thoughts would have been. So she said, I am desperately trying not to think anything, but just trust in my father. And she said she was looking at Ivan and there was a twinkle in his eye and she said, I've seen that many, many times when the Holy Spirit comes. Ivan put his hand in his pocket and there was the car key. They walked to the car, got in and drove on. Oh, and the poor girl lost the phone. And the poor girl lost the phone, unfortunately. <laughs> but the key in the car, so there were suddenly two keys or there was... One, one key. So it disappeared over the okay, Into there, into his pocket. Nice. And off they went. So th their stories wreck my thinking because it's like, I don't know whether I can believe this. And yet it's happening. These are people I honestly trust. They are not flaky. They are just brilliant, brilliant people of God. I know them. You know, you really know what they're like. So they have another story. Huh. Another story. Off to a conference. I think it was over to England they were going. It's snowing in Toronto, as it often does in winter. How can I get to the airport in time? So, like, let's say it would take an hour to get to the airport. The snow, terrible conditions, skiddy roads, takes you much longer, doesn't it, in that sort of condition. So, an hour and a half. But they know that this journey is now going to take them three hours because of the terrible road conditions that they had in Toronto and they would miss their flight so what do they do cancel the conference in England cancel you know rebook flights pay all that extra money so Isabel said dad in the bible you stop time for somebody and if you did it for them you'll do it for me because I'm your daughter and you love me and I'm your favorite so could you just stop time please so they put the phones in bags so they could never look at them they put a bit of sticky tape across the clock in the car. Didn't put the radio on so they would never hear about any of the conditions of going. And they set off. Off we go, driving along very carefully, skiddy roads, long traffic jams through the snow to the airport. Fantastic. We've arrived. Now, in a sense, they have no idea what the time is, do they? Until they pull that bit of tape off. And now there's an hour and a half for them to wait for the flight. <laughs> yeah. 
They were preaching down in London. They, what they love to do is prophesy over every person. So if you've got a big conference, that takes a long time. They, from experience, they know how long it takes. But the, the, um, the conference must have been run by Germans because they said, you must be out of this room by 10 o'clock. <laughs> so, <laughs> just joking. <laughs> so you must be out of the room by 10 o'clock. So Ivan and Isabel look at each other. They know the Holy Spirit has said, prophesy of every person. Oh, okay, so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to follow you, Holy Spirit. So they said to the people, we will honor you. We will be out of this room by 10 o'clock. But we will prophesy over every single person that's here in this conference. That's like impossible. You can't do it in the time scales. Yeah, it's a big conference. And they were... But they, and that's what they do normally, they prophesy over every single person. So they stood there and Isabel said, I'm just trusting my dad. Because he, if he said to me he wants us to prophesy over every person, he also knows the time constraint of 10 o'clock. And she said as she was preaching. So she, so she didn't shorten her preach, you know, because they, they like to preach. They all preach for, you know, an hour and 20 minutes, no problem at all. It's just like, no, you're on the edge of your seat as you listen to them. So it's not that you get bored with them. They're just, well, typical conference speakers preach a long time. She said the clock started to go backwards and everybody was just mesmerized by this clock that was turning backwards. When they had finished prophesying for the last person, the clock stopped at 10 o'clock and they walked out of the building. <laughs> and that's why I'm telling you these stories because you, you've got to hear things that are beyond the earthly realm <laughs> and you've got to start to believe that well, this is for you as well, well I've, uh, I've got a Wonderful, wonderful. I didn't say when my job looking for the Costa card, uh, when I was in this panic trying to find it, the thought that was going through my mind, my daughter will be saying, you just did a man look, didn't you? You just did a man look, you yeah. didn't look properly. <laughs> so, here I am trying to learn to walk with God in this heavenly realm that has possibilities beyond whatever I can think. And I feel that all of these aspects, you know, with Ivan and Isabel, they're in ministry, they're doing, you know, they're going all over Canada, the world, uh, to conferences, etc. So you can see, well, they're involved with ministry work doing that. But I'm thinking, this is everyday life we've got to be involved in. 
So you mentioned, Rose, about the carpets. I mean, when we had the church house, um, Ken Wilkes had bought enough carpet to do the... Uh, it was two houses together. So you had um, two hallways, two main staircases going up, two landings, and then another two staircases going up into the attic. So that was the sort of size of everything that you wanted to carpet. And Ken bought carpet sufficient to do the um, hall and the two main staircases. So from the front door, everything would look the same colour. And what we were going to do for cheapness was get another bit of carpet to do the landings and the stairs up to the attic. So it wouldn't really matter if the match wasn't there because you wouldn't really see it. Um, so he had got a carpet fitter to measure everything and buy the right amount of carpet. So I was there on the day, and as, you know, we'd been refurbishing these houses, and to be honest with you, we'd run out of money. We hadn't got any more money. It's cost us £40,000 to renovate the houses, and we just didn't have any more money. And we, you know, the ladies, they, they live in this realm, I have to say. So the ladies pray, Dad, if you multiplied food for 5,000 people, you can multiply carpet for us. Please multiply the carpet. And I'm going, yeah, 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 multiply the carpet. Yes, 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 okay. So I'm out with a carpet fitter, and to cut the carpet, we went on our driveway, and we both rolled the carpet, and it rolled all the way down the driveway. It went across the pavement and rolled out and kept rolling over the road. And the carpet fitter, it's the same man who measured it all up, said, I think you've got enough carpet. <laughs> and it did everything. I mean, a carpet left over. I mean, it's just like, what? Now, this is many years ago. So I didn't know how to connect that to everything that else that God was doing. It was just a one-off. And the reality is, I don't think these things are supposed to be one-offs. So another problem we had was um, the sewer had blocked in this house and it would, um, the sewerage was coming into the cellar. And the council told me the reason it's blocked is right here where your sewer joins the main sewer, it's terribly blocked. And uh, you'll have to pay. And it's four metres down. It's an expensive job to get a civil engineering company out to dig down, do that repair. Ladies again. Dad. Please, could you send angels down our sewers so that they would clear out the blockage? And it's like, I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pat them on the head. Nice ladies. It's a silly prayer that God doesn't send angels down sewers. Following day, I'm there with the, um, what do they call them, the, uh, the men from the council, who go, <gasps> what's wrong? Well, your blockage has gone. And they drove off, and we had never had any more problems with our sewer. I just like... <laughs> So just recently, now, after all of these stories I'm telling you about living in the heavenly realm, we have two, um, we have two windows on our landing, and we bought two blinds for them. So it's the same pattern blind from John Lewis, a department store in Manchester. And uh, these blinds are, you know, a certain size, certain length, and the same pattern. But after a while, one of them, when you pull it up, began to twist at an angle like that, you know. And Kath eventually said, I've had enough of this. We've either got to buy the same blind, replace it, or two new blinds. So I'm thinking, well, 
when we bought these blinds, they were in the John Lewis sale as, you know, the last few things that they had. And they just happened to be the right size. So we bought two. But they don't do them anymore. Looked on the internet. No, don't do that pattern anymore. So I walked into the shop and I'm thinking, I'm going to use my, um, you know, these are not fit for purpose. They were three years old, so they're way out to the guarantee. But I was just going to say, you don't expect blinds to fail after three years, do you? So I'm going to use that to win my th case. So the girl, the, the, the girl behind the counter said, I'm sorry, Mr. Pierce, they are out to guarantee. And we don't have any responsibility. You know, you bought them in the, um, the sale and we don't do these anymore. And I'm still standing there saying, um, these are not fit for the purpose. But I prayed and actually said, Dad, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I want to walk in a heavenly kingdom today with these blinds. <laughs> Please, could you teach me what we're doing? Because I'm trying the, the legal thing and it's, that's not working at all. So eventually the girl says, tell you what, Mr. Pierce, I'm going to speak to my manager. Will, will you come back in two hours? So this is Trafford Centre. I didn't mind. I wandered off. So I came back two hours and the girl's there she said you'll never believe this Mr Pierce won't I I'm thinking won't I she said I spoke to my manager and as I was speaking to her I really felt to say shall I go and look in the storeroom and the manager said don't be daft it's three years ago we haven't had these blinds for three years well I just feel I ought to go and look in the storeroom off she goes and there she is handing me this blind same size, same colour, same pattern, same everything. Was there only she, one? Only one. Oh, she said, I don't, this, I don't know where it's come from, Mr. Pierce. Gave me the blind. For free or? Yeah, free. Nah, I, I like those shops. <laughs> I like them as well. I was just like, I was on cloud nine walking out. I thought, Dad, Dad, this is just... No, you can't. You can't. It's like, what? what? <laughs> so, you know, we need to understand that Jesus wasn't phased by impossibilities, was he? You remember when he had to pay the, the temple tax? And it got it out of the fish's mouth. It wasn't phased, and, and he knew that he had to pay the temple tax because you remember Jesus was finishing the old, old covenant and it was a requirement to pay the temple tax. So he couldn't say, I ain't going to pay it. He just said, look in the fish's mouth and there it was. Amazing. Walking on water. It wasn't an issue, was it? You know, he'd been with his father, the disciples had been sent off in the boat and I need to go to the other side. Off he goes. Now, it's very interesting when you read the story. He's not like, oh, look, there's the disciples in the boat. I'm just going to get in the boat. He's like walking to the other side. <laughs> they think it's a ghost and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Turning water into wine. I mean, it didn't seem to be a, an impossibility at all. Walking through hostile crowds. There's those stories about hostile crowds, you know, trying to overpower Jesus. And it says he just walked through them. Just walked through them. Appearing to them in the upper room, no problem at all. Walking through walls. Scripture says, as Jesus is in this world, so are we. 
And that's where I want to leave it with you because <laughs> it's like I'm hoping I've wrecked your brain enough to say that there is more out there for you in this kingdom than you've been thinking, than you've been experiencing. And I'm encouraging you, just go for it, please. Because what I've discovered is, you know, like Tony with his paint pot, I'm thinking, what? You can't do that, God? And it starts to change the way you see what can happen. Because you begin to realize, as Jesus is, so am I. So am I. June with her, with her luggage. Please return the luggage to me. You know, um, the plane. Which one of these is the one that you're going to send to me to help me? That one. You're going to help me. Come this way. There's your little private plane to fly off. Oh, gosh. Another one. I was in Monaco. I had said to uh, my wife, and uh, I was with June and Brian and, and Kath, and they had wanted to go shopping. And I had wanted to go to a, um, an aquarium that was created by Jacques Cousteau. So if you're older like me, you would have watched on the telly Jacques Cousteau doing all of the exploration under the sea and showing you all these wonderful things in black and white. And I, I was mesmerized by it by a kid. So to get the chance to go to his aquarium in Monaco was just like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. So I said, you know, this is this prayer. I wanted to learn to be intimate with you, Jesus. And I'm saying to him, would you like to come to the aquarium with me? I'd love you to come and enjoy seeing the aquarium like I, I've seen it and you know, have, a, have the day together while my wife goes and does shopping. So I'm there at the aquarium. So, um, you know, the, there's a ticket booth there and I'm going to pay me 18 euros to go into the aquarium. There's no problem with that. And I'm just there and the next thing is the ticket booth. When this young man appears from nowhere, I mean, just... You know, I haven't caught in my eyes seen him come. He just appears. And he says, I've got this ticket for you. And I'm going, typical Englishman, who's that? That can't be real. There must be some catch in that. There must be some problem here. And I'm, I'm not able to respond when, when this American, six people behind me, lady, jumps out. Oh, wonderful. Give me the ticket, please. And takes the ticket. And goes back to the place and I'm thinking I think that ticket was for me oh well I'll have to pay me money now won't I so I'm about to go and pay me money when she comes round here and says I think this ticket was for you please take it so I'm now I've got it and then I realize Jesus you're taking me to the aquarium this guy whoever he was just disappeared and I'm like Got it, and she's come and given me the, and and I'm going in for free, and I invited you, and you've just taken me into the aquarium. <laughs> oh gosh, do you really like doing the things that we like doing? Are you really interested in everything that I like? In me crocheting and knitting, are you really interested? Yes, you are. Oh yes, you are. So this kingdom. Is more and of course out of that kingdom reality comes all the other lovely stuff we like to hear about, you know, healings and miracles and all that sort of stuff. But I've tried to bring it more down to the practical level of your blinds in your hallway, or your, you know, going to an aquarium, or 
you know, just trying to bring it down to everyday life that this is where you live. And getting yourself to believe that this is it. This is the abundant life that he's given me. Oh, wouldn't it be exciting as we start to enjoy it. Yeah? Thank you for listening to the Destiny Podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.